Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. September 16th, 2022, people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for the FFE, the Fun Friday edition of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know about today's show. Loaded, jam-packed Friday show, college football season. This is what we do. This is what we do. This is what we've been waiting for. We got ourselves a jam-packed college football Friday. Here is the rundown for today's show. Open. We are going to talk about maybe the most intriguing team and not for a good reason. Going into the weekend, Texas A&M, they play against Miami, and I bring up the question, what happens if Texas A&M loses this game? It feels like the season is on the brink for Texas A&M. We talk about the positives. We talk about the negatives. I make my pick as you talk about a must-win for Jimbo Fisher. We are just about there. From there, take a quick break, come back, preview the rest of the weekend coming up in college football. I'll tell you this. Really do think it's 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 a fun weekend, right? There's not that super one or two marquee games, but last week the only quote unquote marquee game was Alabama, Texas, and look how it turned out with AM falling, with Notre Dame falling, with Kentucky winning in the swamp. So I'm excited about this weekend. We'll talk Penn State Auburn. We'll talk Oklahoma traveling to the coachless Nebraska Cornhuskers. Maybe that's a good thing. A little bit on South Carolina, Georgia. Uh, Fresno USC and my personal best bet which we're going to talk about in a minute Michigan State and Washington fun show we'll wrap with Aaron Wright Aaron Wrong Uh, and those of you don't like me I'll tell you you got yourselves a jam-packed Aaron Wright Aaron Wrong I have gotten quite a bit wrong here over the last couple weeks before we get started a couple things one uh, just so you're aware just so we're all aware have had a few few of you reach out to me Uh, about the audio of the Aaron Torres pod ever since we went to the video format. We're working on it. Be patient. I listen to this show uh, really for the quality of it, not because I need to hear my own voice. I hear it enough. Uh, And, you know, the the quality isn't exactly where I want it to be. We got a new mic coming. Please be patient. I appreciate it. A couple of you have reached out to me about that. Uh, But this show is full steam ahead. We're excited about the future. Five days a week. Really fun week of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. And I would say this. It wouldn't be possible without our partners, our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook. Listen, I told you about Betfred. You don't need me to tell you all the background, even though I will tell you. 1967, started in England. They have over 1,600 shops in the UK. They have come to the United States and in a big way taken the U.S. gambling market by storm. They are the presenting sponsor for the Cincinnati Bengals, the presenting sponsor of the Denver Broncos, of the Colorado Rockies. And as I've told you, and you want the truth, I don't know if you can handle the truth or not, but nobody takes care of their betters better than Betfred. I told you, Betfred betters have thrown out first pitch of the Rockies games. They have thrown out, uh, they have partied, excuse me, before the games at Denver Broncos games. Big sweet at the Cincinnati Bengals week one game against Pittsburgh last week. How about this, by the way? They are flying two Broncos fans. The Broncos play in London October 30th against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are flying two Broncos fans 
to London. You can check it out. Follow Betfred Sports at Betfred Sports. They will give you details there. But if you're a Broncos fan, you're trying to get to London for that game, Betfred's going to take care of you. I told you. Nobody takes care of their betters better than Betfred. And I'll also say this, too. They love your boy Torres, and they have a special offer for listeners of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. We have boosted odds on my best bet of the week. The best bet is Michigan State at Washington. I'll give you details. Washington State is minus three and a half. Our Washington, excuse me, is minus three and a half. I love Washington. They are my best bet. Betfred has it boosted plus 110. Bet Washington with me at boosted odds. That's in the Betfred Sportsbook app. Look for the Aaron Torres special. Tell them Torres sent you. Really quickly before we get to the show, one other announcement. Our Bracket Fanatics Week 1 NFL Pick'em Challenge is in the books. And what I want to do is take a moment and congratulate the winner of Week 1. It is Reno Gambler. Reno Gambler, that is his handle on Bracket Fanatics. But Reno Gambler was our Week 1 winner. Congrats to him. Had a couple really good picks. He had the Browns over the Panthers, the Steelers over the Bengals. Uh, won that Monday night game to seal the victory. Congrats to Reno Gambler, our first winner. And I should mention, and I've told you this, it's a season-long contest. New winners every week. So if you have not entered, make sure to do so. Uh, Aaron underscore Torres, if you check there, go ahead, check out my, my Twitter bio, at Aaron underscore Torres. The link is there. If you go to the, the bracketfanatics.com, join bracket. Torres is the bracket you want to join, but it is not too late to join for week two, and it is full speed ahead. Again, $100 winners every week, $1,000 cash prize for the season. Thank you to Bracket Fanatics, and congratulations, Reno Gambler, our week one winner. We got 17 more weeks to hand out some cash, so make sure that you are signed up there. But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day. I'll just say this, it comes from the game of the week in college football, but it's the game of the week for a different reason than we anticipated it being the game of the week. The game of the week I'm talking about, of course, is Miami at Texas A&M. And when I say it's different as to why it is actually the game of the week, it really shows us why we love college football the way that we do. Because what we, re- we thought this was going to be the game of the week, and it was going to be this great celebration of college football. Night games, Saturday, Kyle Field. Top 15 matchup between Miami and Texas A&M under the lights in College Station in Kyle Field. That was what we thought it was going to be. College game day was going to be there. It was going to be incredible. It's going to be the celebration of college football. Instead, what it is, is it's the celebration of why we really love college football, which is that on any Saturday, anything can happen. And on last Saturday, it all happened at Texas A&M, whereas we all know by now, Texas A&M took a terrible loss to App State. Now, to be clear, and we already went over it on Monday, so I'm not going to go go through all of the gory details. When I say they took an inexcusable loss to App State, that's not a knock on App State. Great program, great coach, great players. But when you're Texas A&M, when you're in year five of the Jimbo Fisher era, not only can you not lose to App State, you cannot lose in the, the fashion that you did. Scoring 14 points total, including just seven points on offense. They did get a kickoff return for a touchdown and under 200 yards of total offense, as I said, against the team that gave up 500-plus yards against North Carolina a week before at home. And so I do believe that because of what happened with App State last week, it's still this is still the game of the week, but it's the game of the week for a different reason, and I think it's the single biggest talking point in college football coming into this week with the single biggest narrative. And that narrative to me is pretty straightforward. I believe there is no program in college football right now that has more pressure on it than than, than Texas A&M. And I believe there is no coach in college football that has more pressure on him than Jimbo Fisher. And now, really quick, before we get into this game, and I do want to preview the game itself and all that. To be clear, when I say there's pressure on Jimbo Fisher, and I'm using air quotes for people who can't watch on YouTube, I don't mean pressure as in, like, If he loses the job, if he loses this game, he's going to get fired. Like, no, that's not what I'm talking about at all. And anyone who is saying that is a complete knucklehead, okay? Jimbo Fisher is owed $80-plus million on the remainder of his contract. He did just finish number five in the country two seasons ago, nearly made the playoff. 
And oh, by the way, he signed the number one recruiting class in the history of college football, in case you hadn't heard. Wink, wink, nod, nod. We all have heard that. And so even if it cratered out, even if it was a complete disaster, I think he'd get till next year to try and coach up all those five stars that he brought in. Now, how many of them would stay is a different conversation. But I, Jimbo Fisher's job's not on the line. But his credibility is on the line. Um, his entire livelihood, his entire, I guess you would say, trajectory of, pro, of the program is on the line. And you know how I know that Jimbo Fisher is feeling pressure? All you had to do was watch Jimbo Fisher's press conference after the App State game. Listen, I'm not going to credit a coach for taking arrows after a really, really, really bad loss, after a, after a loss at home as a 17-point home favorite when you had less than 200 yards. But two things stood out to me that Jimbo Fisher said in that press conference. What he said was, I'm willing to give up play calling duties if this will help the team. And also, I'm willing to make a quarterback change if it is going to help the team. And so why I bring it up, I don't think he's giving up play calling duties. We'll talk about the quarterback in a minute. But that commentary alone tells me exactly what I just said. The heat is on Jimbo Fisher. And I do believe that he realizes, wait a second now. The goodwill I have from the 9-1-2020 season. The goodwill I have from beating Alabama last year. The goodwill I have from the 2022 recruiting class. It is officially gone. It is officially go time. I got to get to work. And I think we all know why he has to get to work. Because if he were to lose this game, I'm just going to tell you this right now. It would be the biggest story. It would leave Monday's Aaron Tour Sports Podcast. But think about the ramifications of if Texas A&M were to lose this game and why there is so much pressure on Jimbo Fisher. In my opinion, it's for two reasons. One, it's because the schedule doesn't get easier after this, right? You open with three home games, FCS, Sam Houston, App State, Miami. This is actually the easy part of the schedule. Now, Miami might be a little bit ahead of schedule with uh, Mario Cristobal, but this was supposed to be the easy part. So if you lose this game, I think we all know what's coming up for Texas A&M, but it isn't pretty, okay? After this game for Texas A&M, here's the schedule. They play Arkansas and Dallas next week in the Southwest Classic. They lost that one last year. They play at Mississippi State a week after that. Remember, Mississippi State beat them at Kyle Field last year. They play at Alabama the week after that. And so what we're talking about is the next three games, they have zero games at home, two against top 25 teams, uh, two against top 10 teams because Arkansas is in the top 10 right now. And a game, the third game is against Mississippi State who beat you last year. I should mention they get a bye and then they play South Carolina on the road, which means that they will not even, they don't even get a home game after this week until the end of October, almost a full calendar month until the next home game after this. And it's not as though the schedule gets easy after that. They would still have Ole Miss. They would still have Auburn. They would still have LSU and they have Florida in a cross division game. And so why this game is so important, there are no nights off at the SEC West. And that is why you have to get back on track and I would also just say this in general. The other reason you have to get back on track, that transfer portal is a, is a cruel temptress uh, if you start going on a losing streak. And, and I do think this is because the transfer portal is so new. I think this is one of these things that people haven't really considered. I think we all kind of understand, like, if a coach gets fired, guys are going to enter the portal. If a coach gets hired and it's just not the right fit, a coach is going to, a player is going to enter the portal. How about if things go sideways on the field, the possibility that all these five stars that you've signed, not just in this class, previous class, but multiple classes before it, they can all look around. They don't have to sit through a five and seven year or a six and six year. Now, because of changes to the rules, they can't enter right now, right away. But I still bring it up to say there could, if this falls apart, it could fall apart and you could lose some guys. And so as I look to Saturday, no one has more pressure on him than Jimbo Fisher. And I will tell you, in terms of this game, the single most interesting thing to me about this game is not who starts at quarterback for uh, Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M, but who finishes it. It is going to be fascinating to me because I don't believe that Haynes King is the guy at quarterback. And so because of the loss to App State, because of how bad the offense looked, because of the fact that Jimbo Fisher has readily admitted that he is willing to make a quarterback change, that is the most interesting conversation to me. Because look, what I'll just say is this really quick on Haynes King. Listen, you know that I don't like to criticize 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, but he is now in year three in the program. By the way, this is the NIL era. You're getting money. You're getting paid. You got to perform. I hate to say it. And this is now his third year in the program. 
he uh, has started three games against Kent State, Sam Houston State, and App State. Five touchdowns, five interceptions. He's not the guy. And not only is he not the guy, but the season is on the break now after App State. We, I just told you what the schedule ahead is. And Texas A&M is one of the few schools in America that has a quarterback room where they can actually go to a backup or even a third-string guy and get solid production. The backup is Max Johnson, last year's starter at LSU, who won games in the SEC, including against Texas A&M last year. The third-string guy is Connor Wegman, the five-star quarterback in the 2022 class that everybody thinks is the future. And so to me, I just don't think Jimbo Fisher has time to mess around and if Haynes King even starts, and as I record, nothing is official yet. There's no official news that he won't start. I think it's only going to take a bad series or two before we go ahead and, and see the move made. And so as we look forward to Saturday, that's the most interesting thing. I will say, by the way, Texas A&M, a five-and-a-half-point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. Uh, so Vegas likes Texas A&M. Really quickly, what I would say from the other perspective, from Miami, I'm just fascinated to see what, what's going on at Miami. They've been off the radar. They beat Bethune-Cookman. They beat Southern Miss. They didn't play very well against Southern Miss themselves. And what's especially interesting about them, now they did win comfortably against Southern Miss, but they were actually down in the second quarter. I think it was 10-7 to 7 at halftime. They, were, they, were, they came back to take the lead right before half. But I'll say this as far as this game is concerned. The pressure is on Jimbo. The pressure is on Texas A&M. I am genuinely curious to see Miami at Kyle Field under the lights. Miami has a... a really high-profile quarterback named Tyler Van Dyke. What's really interesting about him, though, he actually came into the fold late last year when Miami had basically been eliminated from everything. Remember, last year, Miami opened with Alabama, get destroyed. Miami played Michigan State in week three, lose at home. Their starting quarterback at the time, De'Eric King, gets hurt. All of a sudden, uh, it, it, they allow, it allows them to go to the backup Tyler Van Dyke. He looks really good but he has never been in a situation like what he will see at Kyle Field Saturday night against Texas A&M. So what I will say, do think Jimbo has the most pressure? I do kind of like this spot for Texas A&M, and it's crazy, right? Because I do think there's a scenario, I think everybody would say, Torres, you're just picking Texas A&M to, uh, to, to be counterintuitive and to, do, to go against what everybody else says. I completely disagree. One, I do think we're going to get a quarterback change. Two, I think we're going to get an inspired Texas A&M team. And I do think part of the frustration with Jimbo Fisher, with Texas A&M, is the fact that they haven't come out focused and locked in every single game, every single week. Last year, again, losing home to Mississippi State, easily could have lost to Colorado in a road neutral site game in Denver. And then, of course, you lose to App State in a game that you sleepwalk through. Well, I think we get the best version of Texas A&M on Saturday. I think we potentially get a, a different quarterback and I think we've seen what Texas A&M looks like on a Saturday night coming off a bad loss when they are locked in. We saw it last year against Alabama. It was a win against the Crimson Tide. And so I do believe that Texas A&M is going to find a way to win this game. Uh, my official bet, bet Fred prediction, uh, the spread again is five and a half. I'll say Texas A&M 24, Miami 14. I do think a lot of those five-star defensive linemen that Texas A&M signed last year show up to play. That defense has been good, too, by the way. Uh, that defense has been really good, and so I am very intrigued. Uh, but Texas A&M, Miami is the game of the week. I really do think Texas A&M wins, but I'll also say this. If they lose, can you imagine what Monday's Aaron Torres podcast is going to be like? Can you imagine what Saturday night in College Station is going to be like? It is going to be hectic. It is going to be crazy, so keep an eye out for that. All right, this is what I want to do. Do you want to take a quick break? Do you want to come back and we will preview the rest of the week three slate? We'll talk a little Auburn, Penn State. We'll talk a little bit of Oklahoma, Nebraska. Uh, my pick of the week, I told you to lead the show, Washington, Michigan State. Take a quick break, come back, preview the rest of week three. Then Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody, I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, let's switch gears and let's talk about the rest of the week two slate outside of Miami, Texas A&M. And what I would say, and I, I said this to lead the show, something really stands out to me when I look at the week two slate, and that, or week three slate, I should say, and that's this, is that sometimes in college football, it's one of those Saturdays where there aren't any super marquee games. I think we had a little bit of that last week where we, we looked at the schedule. We said outside of Texas, Alabama, where are the major games? Well, Texas, Alabama was a thriller, but then we had a crazy Saturday of college football. And I think we are headed for much the same this coming Saturday with all sorts of good games, Oklahoma, Nebraska, uh, USC, Fresno, BYU, Oregon, on and on and on and on and on. I am fascinated. As I told you, Michigan State, Washington is my best bet. We'll talk about that one. But where I want to start, you talk about a fascinating game. For two super marquee programs in the college football space, how about Penn State going to Auburn Saturday afternoon on the plains? SEC on CBS meets the Big Ten on CBS. Remember, only two more years of SEC on CBS before it becomes the Big Ten on CBS. And Auburn comes into this game. This is very interesting to me. At home as a slight underdog in the Betfred Sportsbook. Reminds me in some ways of that. Uh, Florida-Utah game a few weeks ago when Florida was a slight underdog at home, Auburn a three-point underdog at home against Penn State. First thing when I think this game, I'll give credit to my buddy Ryan Fowler. He hosts uh, on Todd 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Now, obviously, he's a Bama guy, so he's going to poke at Auburn. But he brought up a good point to me on Thursday when I was on his show. He said, is this a must-win game for Brian Harson, the head coach at Auburn? And we all know what happened with Brian Harson last offseason. They tried to run him out of town. They made some stories up. He survived. But I thought it was kind of an interesting point by Ryan. Because on the one hand, no, this is not a loser leaves town game. As I said with Jimbo Fisher, this is not like Scott Frost last week, where if Brian Harson loses this game as a home underdog to Penn State, he is going to be fired tomorrow. But I do think that it's a precursor for what could come for Auburn throughout this season. Brian Harson, we all know, probably needs to go about nine and three. Now they play Alabama, they play Georgia. Nobody expects Auburn to beat those teams, but you got to win pretty much all the other games on your schedule. And if you don't win this one, it's hard to see the scenario where Auburn wins a lot of its swing games against LSU, against Mississippi State, against an Arkansas team that's really good, but they beat last year. But you win this game, I'll tell you this for Auburn, you win this game, you can really build some momentum. They're 2-0 and right now. They win on Saturday. They'll be 3-0. and They get Missouri at home, then LSU at home before they actually go on the road to Georgia. So five straight home games to start the season. Really believe they can get some momentum if they win this game. The big question is, can they win it? Because we really haven't seen much of Auburn. Uh, if you just don't know much about Auburn and haven't been paying attention, you are not the only one. Uh, their schedule so far, they have played Mercer at home and San Jose State at home. And I will tell you, they did not look great against San Jose State. Final score of that one, 24-16. And when I look at this team, what I do see is a very obvious pattern in terms of how Brian Harson, the coach at Auburn, clearly wants to play. He wants to run the ball, and he wants to stop the run on defense. And to his credit, they have been sort of successful in that this season. Right now, they currently rank 13th nationally in rushing yardage. 248 yards per game on the ground. And a stat that I found interesting, they have almost twice as many rush attempts 
as they do pass attempts. 79 rush attempts compared to 44 pass attempts in two games. Now, part of that might be style of play. Part of it might be San Jose State and Mercer are the first two games on the schedule, and you don't want to put too much on tape. But you know what another part of it might be? They just don't have very good quarterback play. Uh, TJ Finley, second year as a starter, completing 64% of his passes through the early part of the season. One touchdown, three interceptions. That is not good when, much like I said with Haynes King a minute ago, if you're not getting it done against Mercer and San Jose State, probably doesn't bode well for Bama and Georgia and A&M and LSU and Ole Miss and all the good teams, Arkansas, that you're going to play later this year. So that's what Auburn wants to do. Uh, and I will say they, they have also been successful stopping the run, which I do think is going to be important in this game because from the Penn State perspective, I think they want to do very much the same. To their credit, they have a freshman superstar at running back in a kid named uh, Nick Singleton, a five-star kid. He rushed for some insane yardage uh, when he was in high school. I forget the exact numbers, but it was just stupid yardage when he was in high school. Now, through one through two games in college, he's averaging almost 11 yards per carry. And the question becomes, how much do you ride the freshman? And kind of the same with Auburn. How much do you ride the veteran quarterback who simply isn't getting the job done? And if you've listened to me, if you follow me on social media, you know where I stand on Sean Clifford, the quarterback. I am not a fan. Fourth-year starter, uh, you know, to quote Bill Parcells, you're, you are what your record says you are, and this is a guy that through four seasons, he's basically been a 60% completion guy. His best year statistically was probably all the way back as a freshman in 2019. Okay, so we're talking about now the year before COVID. So we have this year, last year, the COVID year, and then the year before is what we're talking about in terms of how long it's been that this guy's been in college, and his best year was probably in 2019. Through this early part of the season, 61% completion, five touchdowns, one interception, but we saw him against Purdue. He was whatever against Purdue. They are able to rally in large part because Jeff Brom, the head coach of Purdue, kind of melted down, didn't run the ball. I am not a fan of Penn State uh, and its quarterback play. I think, as a matter of fact, I don't think it's going to happen on Saturday because James Franklin doesn't want to throw a true freshman to the dogs, but they themselves have a five-star quarterback named Drew Alar uh, from Ohio, plays at Pennsylvania. Some believe he was the best quarterback in high school football last year, has been very effective early. Don't think they're going to throw him out there to the Wolves in an SEC uh, road environment. I do think, though, at some point you're going to see him, and I do wonder if you see him in a starting role. It seems as though James Franklin wants to play the veteran. It seems as though he wants to show some respect. I think it's go time. you got to play the young guy. That is the guy with the higher upside. That is the guy that gives you the chance to win. Uh, but Penn State and Auburn, listen, man, I think this one's going to be super low scoring. The over-under was 47. Uh, it has been bet down a little bit in this one, or it was at 48, excuse me, now at 47. And so when I look at this, this game, I think it's going to be close, low scoring, in the trenches. It's going to be physical. Both teams want to run the ball. I don't think either team really trusts their quarterback, although the head coach would never tell you that. Uh, I will go ahead and say my official bet Fred pick for this one. I actually do like Auburn. Listen, the one thing I will say, I learned my lesson about betting against SEC underdogs two weeks ago when Florida played Utah at home. I picked Utah, Utah lost, Florida won, and this game is giving me the same vibes. The other thing to remember, by the way, Remember, these two teams actually played last year in Penn, at Penn State in Happy Valley. Auburn, with Bo Nix at quarterback, almost went on the road and pulled the upset. They were a play or two away from potentially tying things up. They lose. I do like Auburn to win a close, low-scoring game. I'll say something in the neighborhood of 17-16. to Let's keep it going. You know, really intriguing game. Fox noon kickoff. We all know what it is, and we all know what the story is. It is Oklahoma at Nebraska. Oklahoma is an 11-point uh, favorite at home. Nebraska, an 11-point underdog. And, of course, the story is Nebraska, first time, first year, interim head coach, Mickey Joseph, in for Scott Frost. Listen, at this point, we've talked enough about Nebraska, about the coaching job, all that good stuff. We know they have an interim, and I do wonder in some ways if it's just for the best, right? We've seen Nebraska over and over and over bang their head against the wall, 
close but can't quite get over the hump under Scott Frost. Trev Alberts, when he actually let go of Scott Frost at the press conference, said something to the effect of they just need a new voice. I wonder if that new voice helps. And I'll tell you this. We just talked about how we really don't know that much about Auburn. I don't really know what we know about Oklahoma at this point. So Oklahoma, to its credit, is 2-0. and But if you go ahead and, and look back at the two games that they've had, um, there's been big lapses on offense specifically. This was a team that last week they played Kent State. They did win 33-3. to But in that game, they were actually up only 7-3 in in the uh, going into halftime, excuse me, it was they scored 24 points coming out of the half. They win 33 to three. But defense has been what it was expected to be under Brent Venables. The offense is very much a work in progress uh, and specifically the run game. And I know, you know, it's tough, right? It's two games. What do we really know? And this is the, the way that they want to play. But you're talking about a team that's that's about, you know, middle of the pack offensively in rush yardage. Oh, by the way. Uh, that's against, again, Kent State and UTEP. Now, on the positive, if you're going to get right, it does feel like this Nebraska team is probably the team to do it against. We all know what happened and ultimately why Scott Frost was fired. Uh, they couldn't get any stops the last couple weeks. Uh, they gave up 45 points to Georgia Southern last week, over 600 yards of total offense for Georgia Southern. And so if Oklahoma is going to get right, uh, it feels like they're going to do it against Nebraska. Now, in terms of a pick, in terms of a spread, what I would say, say what you want about Nebraska. They play everybody close, right? And I know it was under Scott Frost, so maybe it's going to be a little bit different now. But keep in mind, and we all know the stats, they're one and two this year. They were three and nine a year ago. So I'm not great at math, but that comes out to four and 11 since the start of last season. All 11 losses are by nine points or less. Seven of them are, are, excuse me, 10 of them by a touchdown or less, they play people close. And so when I look at this game, I actually do think that Nebraska keeps it close because this is what they do. 11 points seems like a lot for Oklahoma going on the road, first big road environment, new head coach, new offensive coordinator, Dylan Gabriel's a transfer. I do think Oklahoma wins, but I do think Nebraska probably gets the cover. Let's keep it going uh, throughout the rest of the Saturday in college football. I'll tell you, you know, the most intriguing game that I have genuinely no idea how I feel about, it is Mississippi State at LSU. And so why this one's interesting, I'll tell you, it's a couple of reasons. One, if you listen to me in the preseason and you listen to the college football betting show, I told you, I said, I think Mississippi State might be the most underrated team in the SEC coming into the year. They had a top 30 defense last year. They have a third-year quarterback in Will Rogers coming back to play under Mike Leach. Historically, a quarterback that's been in the system that long, you're going to win games, especially when the defense is good. And so going into this game against an LSU team, we saw them against Florida State two Sundays ago on Labor Day weekend, and I understand they took care of business last week against Southern. But in the big marquee game, LSU really struggled to move the ball, especially on the ground. And you're now going up against the best defense that you've seen this season. Mississippi State is better than Florida State. And so I bring it up because I actually think this is the random time. I think Mississippi State is better on the offensive side of the ball. I don't even think that's debatable under Mike Leach. I think they're better on the defensive side of the ball as well going into LSU on Saturday night. Where my concern would be is a couple things. One, LSU is starting to kind of get their mojo in the sense of their top running back, John Emery, is coming back from suspension. They did take care of business last Saturday against Southern. They seem to be making a concerted effort to get their best players, Kayshawn Boutte, Malik Neighbors, involved. Shouldn't have be a concerted effort to get your best players involved, but they did last week. And the real reason that I just have no strong opinion about this game, Mississippi State, by the way, a slight home or slight road favorite, I should say, the reason I have no strong opinion is because it is a night game at LSU. So on the one hand, I think Mississippi State probably has the better personnel, at least for this season. I think they're better on offense. I think they're better on defense. But to go on the road, get a win against LSU, it's going to be tough. If I had to make a pick, I'd probably actually lead Mississippi State because of the fact that I just think they're the better team. I don't think LSU is very good this year, but I have no strong opinion. I will not be betting this game. Uh, speaking of games that I really have no super strong opinion on, top 25 matchup between BYU and Oregon, okay? 
So BYU uh, coming off that that wild win against Baylor in Provo. Obviously, of course, Oregon lost in week one to the Georgia Bulldogs. They got destroyed 49-3, to the final score. Um, but this is one, it's kind of a weird one, right? BYU going on the road, playing a 12.30 Pacific time kickoff. This after ending around 11 p.m. Uh, Pacific time on last Saturday. So sort of a quick turnaround. Obviously an emotional win late into the night on Saturday. You got to turn around. You got to fly to Eugene. You got to play early the following Saturday. Not saying that these are college kids. They're going to be tired or banged up or whatever, but I do think it's a factor. And I just don't think we really know much about Oregon at this point either um, coming off that loss to, uh, to Georgia two weeks ago. The one thing I would say about BYU, I don't think it's going to happen. And I do think they need some help along the way. But if they were to win this game, they would have a win over the preseason Big 12 favorite Baylor last weekend and a team that was in the top 15 in the preseason, Oregon. And they still have games against Arkansas at home and Notre Dame on a neutral field. And why I bring it up, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But if you are looking for a super dark horse playoff contender, I think the BYU Cougars might be it. Now, they're going to need a lot of help. One, they got to win on Saturday. Two, they would obviously have to beat Arkansas, beat Notre Dame. They would have to hope a team like Arkansas, a team like Baylor, ends up exceeding expectations. And if all of that happens, then I do think there's the scenario. But that's a long way away. It's just something I've been thinking about. Two other games really quick. One, stay up late. Fresno at USC. It's going to be an interesting one. USC is an 11-point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. Here's the deal with Fresno State couple things. One, remember last year, LSU loses to USC, smack, UCLA, excuse me, smacks LSU in week one at the Rose Bowl. Two weeks later, Fresno comes to the Rose Bowl and smacks UCLA. Jake Hayner is their quarterback. He is an NFL quarterback at Fresno State, almost 7,000 career passing yards. And I do think going up against the USC team that has struggled to stop people, I think this one's going to be high scoring and I think it's going to be fun. USC, they're a great story. I'm excited. I enjoy watching them. But keep in mind, Stanford had four turnovers last week. That is a credit to USC's defense. But they also get the, the four the four turnovers led directly to 10 points. If USC doesn't get those 10 points directly off turnovers, it's a much closer game. I think USC wins, but I do think it's close. Last game. And this is the Betfred Sportsbook Aaron Torres pod official boost. Okay, so what that means is boosted odds. You get better odds if you want to bet it. I have Washington minus three and a half against Michigan State. Let me explain why. I just mentioned Fresno. I just mentioned the offense. I just mentioned that last year they went to the Rose Bowl and beat UCLA at home. Know who their head coach was? Guy by the name of Kalen DeBoer. You know where he is now at Washington. You know what Washington is now a year after they were one of the worst offenses in college football? They are one of the best offenses in college football. He had a top 10 offense at Fresno in 2020 and 2021. Washington is currently ranked right now number three in total offense in college football behind only Minnesota and Georgia Southern. Of course, it's Georgia Southern. And their pass offense, which I think is especially interesting, is number six in the country as well. And so why I bring it up, this offense has flipped overnight. They have a transfer quarterback, Michael Penix from Indiana, uh, Kalen DeBoer actually coached Michael Penix at Indiana. I think that's interesting and worth noting. And Michael Penix has hit the ground running. 71% completion percentage, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. They're going up against the Michigan State team that, oh, by the way, their secondary stunk last year. Now, their secondary is much better this year. But remember, Michigan State had the worst pass defense in college football last year. And the question is, how quickly can they flip it? The other thing that I think is worth noting. So I mentioned that Washington, their offense stunk. Now it's better. Here's the crazy part about Washington. Their defense, even in a four and eight year last year, was actually pretty good. It was actually, they had the uh, top 25 defense overall. They had the number one ranked pass defense last year and their top 10 in pass defense this year. So you think about it. All the best parts of Washington last year are still there and all the worst parts are gone and improved in the past game and on offense. And so I look at this game, Peyton Thorne, who is the quarterback at Michigan State. He struggled this year, 57% completion percentage, four touchdowns, three interceptions. And he has done that against Akron and Western Michigan. Now he's going to go on the road, 
to Washington and he's going to be productive against uh, an elite pass defense, I would worry if I was a Michigan State fan. This is my best bet. Bedford Sportsbook, best bet. Go on the app, download the app. Aaron Torres boost. You can get it there. I do like Washington State. Woo! Oh, I like Washington. Excuse me. What am I doing? It's getting late. That said, do think it's time for me to take a quick break. Come back. We're going to wrap the show. It's America's favorite segment. It's the segment that sweeps America. It's the segment that you guys and girls just can't get enough of. Where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. I got a lot of stuff I was wrong on. Scott Frost, Alabama. I mean, it, the list goes on and on and on. We're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to wrap with what has really become a Friday staple of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Concept of the segment is pretty straightforward. Uh, first of all, yes, I did steal it from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Colin does every single week where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. Uh, and I thought it'd be fun to bring in the Aerator Sports Podcast. Nobody in sports, I, I mean, there's there's other people, but few people in sports give out as many opinions on sports on a weekly basis as your boy Torres. Torres said this, Torres said that. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, wherever, wherever you are, radio, podcast, I'm giving out sports opinions. And I get a lot of opinions right, and nobody likes to take the old victory lap when they're right more than your boy Torres. Just one problem. When I get stuff wrong, I got to go ahead and own it too, and that's exactly why we do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. It's a fun way to wrap the week, fun way to look back on what already happened, look forward to what's going to happen, and really just go ahead and give your boy a little slap on the wrist when he gets a lot of stuff wrong. And boy, oh boy, I'll tell you this, two weeks into college football, I have gotten a lot of stuff wrong Let's get into it where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, where Aaron was right. For years, I defended Brian Kelly and Notre Dame, and I got crushed for it. Every single year, Torres, you don't know what you're talking about. Torres, you're too nice. Torres, Notre Dame can never win the big one. And my argument for Notre Dame was never that they couldn't win the big one. That was indisputable. It was that they literally beat everybody else which is something that probably needs to be celebrated, especially at Notre Dame. As I've said for years, small Catholic school in Indiana, no natural recruiting base, tough academics. It's really hard to build a program that can beat Georgia. It's really hard to build a program that can beat Alabama. But when you literally beat every other program that you're supposed to, that is kind of a big deal to go 10-2, and 11-1, 12-0 in certain regular seasons in college football. And so I bring it up. Because we are three weeks into the Marcus Freeman era, and guess what has happened? They are 0-2, Marcus Freeman as a head coach is 0-3, and Marcus Freeman has done something that Brian Kelly never did over his final four years, took a bad loss. Listen, I've talked about it for years. Go back and look at Brian Kelly's four years, last four years, I should say. I understand that he wasn't great in his biggest games, but let's be honest, he was at a talent deficiency in all of them. Yet in his final four years, Here is who Brian Kelly lost to at Notre Dame. He went undefeated in the regular season and lost to Clemson in the playoff. The next year, he lost at Georgia at Michigan. The year after that, he lost to Clemson in the ACC championship game, the one year Notre Dame was in the ACC. And then he lost to Bama in the playoff. 
Last year, his only loss as Notre Dame head coach was to Cincinnati, which ended up making the playoffs. So for those of you who are scoring at home, that is two playoff losses for Brian Kelly, two, two losses to teams that ended up making the playoff, and the other two losses were to at Georgia, at Michigan. And so I bring it all up to say that in three games, we have already seen Marcus Freeman take a loss that Brian Kelly never did. Now, this isn't a tear down Marcus Freeman's segment. I think he's going to be okay. As I said earlier in the week, his job is not really about this year, but it's about building the foundation in the 2023 and 2024 recruiting classes to hopefully one day have a program capable of competing with Georgia, of competing with Alabama. At the same time, I don't think we gave Brian Kelly nearly enough credit when he was at Notre Dame. It is really hard to win every single game that you're supposed to. And over his final four years, Brian Kelly absolutely did that. Where Aaron was wrong. So this is an all-time where Aaron was wrong, but I think it was an all-time where everybody was wrong. And that was Scott Frost at Nebraska. Scott Frost was obviously fired uh, on Sunday, finishing a five-year journey that was just a complete disaster. And I, like everybody, thought that this was this. I thought this was going to be the hire that that put Nebraska football back on the map. Well, it very well may have, but for none of the right reasons. And so, what I will say about this is, and I'm not making excuses for myself. I do think that I've, you know, following other people and seeing other people's reaction. I do think there's been a little bit of revisionist history on the the Scott Frost hire five years ago in the winter of 2017. This was a guy that was coming off a 13 and 0 season at Central Florida. Remember, he won the regular season finale or the conference championship game, took the Nebraska job, decided to still coach the bowl game and beat Auburn in the bowl game with Central Florida. On top of that, he was the hottest coaching candidate in college football that year. It's easy to forget now, but the year that Dan Mullen was hired at Florida, you know who Florida's number one choice was, who they didn't get? It was Scott Frost. And so, yes, I was dead wrong on Scott Frost, but I'm going to tell you, everyone was wrong on Scott Frost. I cannot believe this didn't work. This was one that it just felt like it was a done deal, perfect fit. Young, dynamic offense from the state of Nebraska, from played at Nebraska, won a national championship, knew the blueprint to win there. It was a complete disaster. Finally, let me say this on Scott Frost. And I really haven't dealt with it, but others have. Can we stop with the hot takes exposed or old takes exposed on Scott Frost? Like everybody thought this was going to be a good hire. And as I said, when he was let go, I'd rather see somebody dig up the person who said that this wasn't going to be a good hire when it happened. That person doesn't exist. Scott Frost, I will tell you, in my years covering college football, he is up there as the most surefire, can't miss hires, and he absolutely missed Chalk me up along with many other people who thought thought Scott Frost was going to be the guy. Instead, Nebraska is back at the drawing board where Aaron was right. So in the offseason, we obviously talk a lot about Texas A&M for a lot of different reasons. Number one, recruiting class, Jimbo's beefing with Nick Saban. But one thing that I kept saying was that I think there's a national narrative that Jimbo has to win right now, right away. And I, what I kept saying was, locally that's not the vibe i get out of college station locally in college station it seems as though most people understand that really it's a young team uh probably not the quarterback of the future currently starting for them in haynes king and what you really want to do is set the foundation in 2022 to make a real run in 2023 that was the narrative but what i also said all summer was that's a cute narrative for any fan base. And we got a lot of Aggies who listen to this show, so it's not a knock on you. But I said, it is easy to say in whatever, August, July, June, that we're, you know, this year is a building block for 2023. It's another thing when you take that first loss in September, October, November, whatever. Well, we all know what happened last week. It was a disaster. And I'll tell you this, Jimbo Fisher, the clock is ticking. He has to go in to Kyle Field at home against Miami and get a win this weekend because if not, this thing could spin off the rails quick. Listen, again, this guy is not getting fired. Like, like he's not on the hot seat. He's going to get, he's got a, so much money guaranteed to him. He's got that 2022 recruiting class. He is going to have time to coach him up. But if he loses this game at home to fall to one and two with Arkansas at Mississippi State and of course at Alabama after that, this thing could go sideways real quick. Which brings me to where Aaron was wrong. 
Jimbo Fisher. So I was right on the fact that Aggie fans, like any college football fan base, would not be happy once that that uh, their team took the first loss. What I got to say is that Jimbo Fisher was right up there in that Scott Frost category of this guy cannot miss as a head coach. Now, to be clear, it's not Scott Frost, okay? This guy did go 9-1 two years ago, was the number five team in the country in a four-team college football playoff world. Obviously, an expanded playoff. They would have made the playoff. Last year, obviously, he got the benefit of the doubt. But I'll tell you this, man. Where Aaron was wrong, I thought this guy would have Alabama, Texas A&M competing for national championships by this point in year five. And it is very clear they are nowhere close. It's not to say that they one day can't get there. I'm not sure what signs we've seen to make us think that they will. But at the same time, I really did think this was the guy. We know the commitment of Texas A&M. We know how good the facilities are. We know how good the recruiting infrastructure is in Houston. Obviously, uh, everything was in place at Texas A&M. I remember talking to buddies that cover the team saying, if Jimbo can't do it, I don't know who can. Now, I will say, like I said, there's enough talent in that program to get to the upper echelon of college football, but it is increasingly looking like Jimbo Fisher just might not be the guy to do it. I'll tell you this. I thought he was the guy. I thought by year five, we would have a program on par with Alabama, on par with Georgia, on par with whoever we thought were going to be the great programs in college football at this point. You lose to App State. It is hard to make that argument. Where Aaron was right. So this one, I mean, I, I just nailed it, okay? So in January of this year, 2022, after the college football season ended, there was a huge uproar about NIL because of the Texas A&M rumors. And you know how I feel about those rumors. I've talked about them many times, but also because of the transfer portal. And I said, look, I did a whole segment. It was probably a 40 minute, not maybe not 40, but 25 minute segment saying it's really easy to fix the transfer, the transfer situation. We need transfer windows, okay? The transfer portal should not be Denny's or IHOP. It shouldn't be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Instead, what we should do is in football, what I said at the time, and it ended up being exactly correct, have a week cooling off period after the season, then open the transfer portal for about a month, then close it up. And if you're not in the portal after a month, you're not allowed to transfer. Same in the spring. Go through spring ball. If it's not for you, if the school's not right, you're allowed to transfer again, but you can't have the transfer portal open 24-7. Because at the time, what did I say? It incentivizes kids to get in the portal early. It incentivizes kids to quit on the team because what ends up happening is once you enter the portal, schools can contact you. And of course, you can start taking recruiting visits, all that stuff. I bring it up to say this week, or I guess it was probably about two weeks ago, the NCAA officially enacted transfer portal windows. Now it's worth mentioning. Uh, they've already screwed it up because apparently there's a group of players that are in the portal that now have to be taken out of the portal. But at the end of the day, this was always the place it should go. And this is the place it should be. No one is against player mobility. Nobody is against staying at a place that you don't want to be at or that the school sometimes doesn't want you. Nobody's in favor of you having to be forced to stay somewhere that you don't want to be again. But at the same time, you can't just have 24 hours a day. You can't have one or two bad practices. The coach yells at you and you leave the program. I like this. I think it's right. It will need some fine tuning. The NCAA probably shouldn't have kids pulling their name out of the portal at this exact moment, but this is where it always should have gone. And it all, it is where it ultimately ended up where Aaron was wrong. So listen, what did I say all offseason about Alabama? I said they're not only good, they have a chance to be one of the best Nick Saban teams of all time. And I think the gap between Alabama and everybody else is bigger than who is number two and who is number three. Well, one, I completely discounted how good Georgia was going to be this year. Now, Georgia goes on the road, as we discussed in the first segment, but I think they're going to take care of South Carolina. And I don't think they're going to be challenged, frankly, probably until the SEC championship game, depending on what you think about Kentucky and Tennessee. But at the end of the day, Alabama just also isn't as good as I thought they were going to be either. A lot of the same problems from last year have crept up. Uh, we saw last year when Jamison Williams was hurt against Georgia, when he got uh, kicked out of the Auburn game for targeting. What did we see? Alabama's offense became stagnant. They don't have receivers that can separate. The offensive line sometimes struggles. Uh, and it's Bryce Young versus the world. It's one on 11 with Bryce Young. That's exactly what we saw with Texas. I don't think, by the way, 
that Texas uh, front seven, that Texas defensive line is anywhere close to as good as the one that Alabama is going to see against Texas A&M and potentially some of the other schools in the SEC and certainly Georgia in the SEC championship game in a potential rematch. So look, I liked this Alabama team coming. I love this Alabama team coming into the year. I still think they can win the title, but I said, what did I say from the beginning? I said, I think this has a chance to be a historically great Alabama team. Uh, It's not, at least not as it's currently constituted. Where Aaron was right. Let's start to wrap a little bit of NFL. Um, And one of my big kind of preseason proclamations, listen, one of them was Trey Lance, but I've been so right on this all along. I'm just going to shelve that one for a little bit because it's just like, you know, how many times can I pat myself on the back for saying that I got the Trey Lance deal right? But let's go to another one that I said in the preseason. And I said, I really do think the Dolphins are a a sleeper in the AFC East. Part of it, New England's not very good. The Jets obviously have an injury at quarterback with, uh, with Zach Wilson. But the other part is, I love Tua with some difference making wide receivers. Well, what happens on Saturday, on Sunday in week one? They go up against the Patriots. They go up against Bill Belichick. Remember, Bill Belichick, for all the criticism about his offense, about this, about that, Bill Belichick has an insane record against young quarterbacks having a ton of success against them. Well, Tua threw for 270 yards, eight yards per completion. And how about this? Five different wide receivers, six, excuse me, different wide receivers had at least 10 yards per reception. Listen, I'm not saying Tua is ever going to be Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. But at the same time, he was too accurate, too good, too talented not to have success in the NFL. We saw it at Alabama. When he was at Alabama, the question was never how good he was. It was, could he stay healthy? Well, now he's got his former teammate, Jalen Waddell. Now he's got Tyreek Hill. Now he's got an offensive head coach. I think the Dolphins are a playoff team this year. I don't think they're toppling the uh, Buffalo Bills to win the AFC East, but I think they're a playoff team. Finally, where Aaron was wrong. Um, So, I didn't have a podcast when Mark Stoops was hired at Kentucky. To be blunt, I, I, podcasts weren't really a thing in 2010 or 2011 or whenever it was. But when Mark Stoops was hired, I, I just thought, whatever. What, you know, defensive coach, Stoops family, he's not Bob Stoops, whatever. Uh, yeah, I was dead wrong. I thought he'd be fine, get, get Kentucky to a few bowl games, have a few down years, probably be fired after six, seven years, and the cycle would start over. Yeah, I was wrong on that one. Uh, as I talked about on Monday's show, Mark Stoops is one of the best stories in college football. Listen, we focus so much on this college football playoff, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. What if Ohio State plays Georgia? What if this? We forget about all of the great other stories that makes college football so special. I don't think there's a better one over the last couple of years than Kentucky and Mark Stoops, right? Uh, I, I laid out all the stats, but again, they hadn't beaten Florida in 30 plus years up until 2018. They've beaten them three times in the last five years. Uh, A Kentucky fan sent me an interesting stat. They've actually been ranked now. This is the second year in a row. They've been ranked in the top 10 at some point, and they appear to finally be getting some of the respect that they deserve on a national scale, and deservedly so. Mark Stoops has been incredible. He's built an incredible program. Credit to some of the assistants, Vince Merrow, that has been with him for a while. Will Levis not leave us? Yes, I, I got the message, Kentucky fans. I said it wrong. What he has done with this program is absolutely incredible. And what I would say is, look, we all know the deal with Georgia. We know how, we all know how good Georgia is. But if you can go to the Swamp and win on a Saturday night, there's no reason that you can't win every game on your schedule, uh, except probably Georgia. But that one is in Lexington, and we know it will be a crazy environment. With that said, I think that's it for this episode of the Aerotora Sports Podcast. Uh, before we get out of here, a couple things. One, I want to thank you guys and girls for listening. The numbers are I'm so happy with them. You know, I'm just, I'm just appreciative of you guys and girls and your support of the Aaron Torres sports podcast as we have pivoted to five shows a week. I know we didn't do one on Thursday, but five shows a week, uh, obviously the video component on YouTube. I am grateful for your guys and girls support there. If you're not subscribed on YouTube, please make sure to do so. Also, if you're not subscribed on, uh, on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed. A couple other notes, you know, one, Thank you again, Betfred Sportsbook, the Betfred Sportsbook app, the Aaron Torres Boost. Washington minus three and a half at home. You can get it at plus 110. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Uh, Incredible offer from our partners at Betfred. Thank you to them. As always, as I've told you, bet 50, get 250 in free bets if you don't want to take the Washington game. And as I mentioned, by the way, if you're a Broncos fan, get in on that potential free trip 
to London to see the Denver Broncos face off against the Jacksonville Jaguars later this year. With that said, I think that's it. Also, oh, by the way, the Aaron Torres NFL Pick'em Challenge. Uh, we will have our, we will announce our week two winner next week, but congrats again to our week one winner. And if you have not entered, it is not too late. With that said, it is time for me to get out of here. And I really do, again, appreciate all your guys and girls' support. So thank you for everything that you do. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F-head. Unblock me, bruh. I'll be back on Monday. Woo! And we're going to have a good one. Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.